do today. Welcome to episode 87 of the Go Girl of Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I am one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. Hello, how are you today? Today. I'm Paul Robinson. How are you today? My back's trying to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. What happens? It does that. Yeah. So, what are we talking about today? Well, we've t- we're talking about, um, so recently, um, we've been receiving some um, films from people, mm-hmm. fellow filmmakers oh, okay. and stuff. We're going here. And um, so I wanted to touch on that topic a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've watched Wrinkles the Clown, mm-hmm. the documentary. Mm-hmm. And um, I've also finished the series Mythic Quest. Mythic Quest. Raven's Banquet. Mystic Quest. Mythic. I know, but I want to say mystic. Like mystic seaport? Mythic isn't. We've been there, and uh, one time a bird crapped on my shoulder there. <laughs> so that was fun. You know what's interesting about that story? What's that? Is that we were on our honeymoon. Sure. If you can call it that, because mm-hmm. we had a, a, like a shotgun wedding. Yes. And we had no money. And by that, I mean, I held the shotgun to you to and you were force like, me to marry me. This is, this is going to happen. So we decided that we would go away far enough that we weren't at home, but not far enough that we would need a lot of money. Right. Not that, not that Mystic is terribly affordable either, by the way, right. but we were just going for like two days, technically our honeymoon. And you got crapped on by a seagull. Mm-hmm. And... On my first honeymoon, that sounds scandalous. Mm-hmm. Um, in my first marriage, mm-hmm. this is my fourth. Just kidding. <laughs> it's my second fourth and last. The charm. Uh, and by last, I mean even if this doesn't work, I ain't doing this shit again. But anyway, um, my first honeymoon, many many moons ago, I went to Disney World and Sea World. This was before we knew about Sea World. Right. Don't hiss at me. We didn't know yet. And. Upon walking into the park, my ex-husband had a seagull shit on his face. Ooh, a face. It went right on his eyeglasses and dripped down into the eye section and then down his cheek just as we walked in. And that is exactly what happened to you just as we walked into the seaboard. Yep. You got shit on. Mm -hmm. I don't know what, I don't know. That's. Seagulls just aren't happy with you being married. (laughs) They just. Or they're trying to warn you. Yeah. Yeah. Could be the other way around. Yeah. They're like, don't do it. Caw. That's a crow. Get him, guys. <laughs> Try to scare him off. Yeah. All right. So we're almost five in, five minutes into seagulls shitting. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll talk a little bit about what's been in the news. In the news. Um, the Birds of Prey film, mm-hmm. as we've all heard, is changing their title. Yes. Because apparently they think that... The mention of Birds of Prey was too prominent since the movie, as I had stated in our review, mm-hmm. really isn't about the Birds of Prey. They're just kind of present. Yep. And then they also tried to blame the Oscars, which I think is ridiculous. Mm, well, they do ruin everything. <laughs> I mean, who the hell is that's the people that are watching the Oscars are these people that are running to the theater to watch Birds of Prey. Yeah. Doubt it. Yeah. And it's not like you can't do both. Right. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, who's like, is it Oscars weekend? No, we have to stay inside in anticipation for said event. We can't right. go to the movies. It's not allowed. Nobody's doing that. And they obviously, you know, these companies put a lot of research into what weekends they release movies. It's not like they didn't know. It's the, not like they didn't. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's nice kind of try. And the, the amount of money that's being spent to remarket and rebrand that and change posters. And oh, my God. It's a lot of money. It's, it's it's look the movie was good it wasn't great for me but it was good and yeah. I, I yes i think people that know the story a bit 
would have commented as I did on the fact that it was sort of titled incorrectly, mm. but that's that is that it didn't change the movie. Yeah. It was just an observation. Look, you can change the 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 cover of the book, but the content still remain the same. Thanks, Dad. You know. So, that's a lesson for all you millennials. Yeah. And uh <clears throat> also a news. <laughs> All right. Um, we had talked about how when the Bandersnatch, when Netflix had re- released Bandersnatch, mm-hmm. that they were getting sued yes. for said concept because it was apparently not theirs. They had tried to acquire the rights to this idea. Mm-hmm. And this other company, the name escapes me, but I know we talked about it. Yep. You'd have to find the episode. I don't know. And um, they had, they said nay. We don't want to sell you this concept. Mm-hmm. And so like any, you know, red-blooded American company, we were like, well, I'll just take it then. Yeah, we'll just steal it. <laughs> Can I have this? No, I'm taking it anyway. Yeah. And that's what they did. And then we were getting sued. And then everything just kind of went quiet for a while. Even I forgot about it. Completely yeah. forgot that they were getting sued about that whole thing. It and was, now... It was not in the, uh, the, the, the national dialogue, if you will. No, <clears throat> no. But, the, you know, those, these things, they fade. They mm-hmm. ebb and flow, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so it's come back because apparently they haven't yet been able to buy their way out of the progression of said case. So it's going to court. I'm assuming, you know, in an ideal world, they would have just had it thrown out or been like, here, here, here. Yeah. Let's stop this nonsense. But not so. Mm. So so Netflix is standing their ground that they didn't steal it. Yeah. And this company is like, yes, you did. So it's interesting to see how this will play out because a lot of times just the this just the press of it is negative you know because yeah. people are like myself are pre di, pre um Dis- what's the, predisposed uh-huh. to not believe in corporations yeah you know and so it's only going to be like negative for netflix i think yeah but it's not court. like it's not like we're canceling our subscription no of course not but i'll be mad about it I'll tell you what. For like five seconds, I'm going to yeah. be really peeved. I'll tell you what. I can tell you exactly how that's going to pan out if they lose, and it's going to be in our bank accounts when they raise all of our monthly yeah. submissions. Yeah. As if all the money they waste on their crappy shows, not all of them are crappy, but some of them are. Some on are. On movies like Underground 6. All the money you waste on Underground 6 what is nothing compared to the what you're going to pay for this lawsuit if you lose, right? I don't know. Is that bad? I, th- I don't know. I don't know. I didn't watch Underground Six. I didn't assume it's bad. <laughs> Is it's it like Bay. Sharknado? Oh, yeah. Okay. So you should have just opened with that. Yeah. That's all Michael I need Bay's to know. Underground Six. <laughs> Michael Bay's involved is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. So uh, our our last bit of news, sort of wheeling back into the Oscars mm. again. We didn't watch. We don't care if Gervais isn't involved. I don't really. Right. It's not really important to me. Uh, I got to see DiCaprio win his his award <laughs> years ago, and I was good. Yeah. So there is a bit of controversy going about. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can pick at, but the one that sort of stuck out the most this week has been uh, the choices that Natalie Portman made in her, I guess, activism. Mm-hmm. I'm air quoting so hard right now. Yeah. By having. All the names of the female directors that she feels got... First of all, that's subjective, right? There's tons of female directors. Where did you pick these from? Mm. It's just the ones you thought should have been nominated because 
Nah, that's a whole other can of worms. But yeah. anyhow, so um, to 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 sort of jump on the Gervais bandwagon of how ridiculous this is, is that her her method of protest and activism was by first of all attending the Oscars, of which she wasn't nominated for anything. So mm. did you really need to be there? No, not really. Um, and then the idea was to then embroider these names into the cape of a very expensive dress by a company, if I'm correct, is known for paying very poor wages, mm. as most of those couture yeah. gowns and things that come from you, Dior and all these companies are known for, for paying shitty wages. That's why they're so effing rich. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm going to put the names on the cape to show my support. She got blasted for that. Unfortunately, one of the people that put her on blast was Rose McGowan, who I want to kick in the throat most of the time. Mm -hmm. She is honestly the last person who should be talking about anything ever, ever, uh, especially hypocrisy in this business, since she knowingly worked with a child molester, a convicted child molester, yeah. a known child, not that this came out after the fact, dude went to jail. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I can't deal with her. She is like two hairs away from like officially being the mayor of crazy town. And yeah. I just, I can't. I can't with that woman, but she got called out by her and a couple other people chimed in and attention was brought to the fact that she, they say her production company be company, but the chance, the reality is most, most likely that she's part of this production company. Mm -hmm. I, I highly doubt she 100% runs it. And she yeah. is the sole, you know, uh, she's the CEO of the company. I'm pretty sure she is. Her name is attached to this company. But either way, if you're going to be attached to a production company that has not really worked with female directors, and when they had, it was you. What, uh, what's her? So we don't know her role within this production company. I don't know her role, but it's it's oftentimes, ex like when people talk about it, it's it's explained to be her company. Right. I think it's lip, lip service or something yeah. like that. Well, she certainly is is big enough to have say. I would assume in it if she were to go, whatever role she played in it. If she were to go to them and say, "Hey, we need to make it fifty fifty with male and female directors," they would probably do that. Well, she responded several days later. Okay. In agreement that she shouldn't be considered any kind of a hero for what she did, and that uh, there are she's worked with. I think. I mean, Natalie Portman's been acting for what over thirty years. Mm -hmm. She's a child actor. And according to a few articles that I'd read, I think she's only worked with like three or four female directors. Mm -hmm. And she's done some little things here and there, commercials. And she did that short film that I'm sure bought its way into the Cannes Film Fest. I'm, I'm not counting yeah. that. I'm counting feature length films that mm -hmm. are eligible for, for awards since that's what that's where you decided to, yeah. to protest. And I can't help but feel like she partook in what I refer to as in fashion activism. Mm. It's like, this is the cause that is in fashion at the moment. And she's jumping on the bandwagon and she got her ass kicked off. Mm. Yeah. I think it's tough because, you know, uh, you can't work with female directors if people aren't hiring female directors as an actor. You know, I don't think you really have a lot of, a lot of leverage on, I mean, I guess you do, but if somebody, if a project you're not even involved with, at the beginning, they hire a male director, then they come to you and say, hey, you want to be part of this? You can't be like, yes, but you have to now change out this director with a female director, right? Right. But apparently but, it was the other way around. There no. was, she claims that they tried to hide, tried to hire several 
female directors and that they would leave because of the conditions. Uh, that's that a mean? whole other issue. So you admit that within your own company, there are difficult conditions for women and that they're oh, being the women. Yeah, put, okay, got it. put in conditions that make them not want to work for your company. Yeah. Let's just shift it back. Mm -hmm. You know what? That's not that's not a statement that you just end factually and then move on. to. Let's let's go back for a second. Why is that happening? And why yeah. are you part of a production company that makes it so difficult for women to want to stay there? Yeah. How yeah. are we not addressing this? I yeah. don't know. I don't know how nobody then jumped onto that comment. But she claims that she has tried to back several female projects that i think she referred to as their their ghost history or something that they could never it's just so difficult and look not not to shit on natalie portman completely like i understand being attached to a company and if you have people you have higher ups that are making bigger decisions than you and can ultimately trump your decision uh -huh. then you have the choice of either complying which it appears that she has or fucking leaving because natalie portman is not hurting for cash and if i Remember correctly, neither is her husband. So, like, who's her it, husband? I don't know. Oh, he's like a producer, right? I don't know. I I remember, you know, when when they say it's like gossip news, like oh, so and so was attached. Is when she first started seeing him, it was like that he was wealthy. That was just what I remembered. Right. That he was that he was a wealthy guy. Like, uh, is it Salma Hayek's husband? Isn't he like a gajillionaire? No, I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's it. going into the business. I totally understand it. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna out somebody who's trying to to get their career off of the ground. I understand being forced to have to work with male directors because that's all you're being offered because that's all your agent is giving you. Mm -hmm. But when you are Natalie Portman now, you don't have to do that unless you're afraid of rocking the boat and biting the hand that feeds you, which is exactly what it is. If you really felt that strongly about it, maybe knock your six million dollar house down to a three million dollar house and talk. live like a poor person so that she could actually have conviction to your claims three million dollar house are you some kind of peasant i mean come on that's like the guest house and that's exactly what i mean yeah you know well i think the look the biggest issue that everybody is trying to um overcome is just the culture of it all you know um to your point like you can bring in female directors um, but then the environment that the, 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 these environments that this, that they're on, this, the sets, I would imagine, I don't know, I haven't been on a lot of Holly weird productions, but <laughs> the, uh, I would imagine that there's very, a, a lot of, um, egos and egotistical kind of, uh, viewpoints for, you know, when a female has to direct. And they're, they're, I think, mo I think it's most importantly that they're male dominated. Yeah. I think that there was that's a, the issue is that most of your producers and most of your crew are going to be men. And yeah. if they're not used to, I've experienced it myself mm -hmm. as, as little as we are, as minuscule, as minuscule as we are in this business, I've experienced, you know, having, having my requests questioned and I'm like, I don't get why I, I'm 50% of our company. Like, don't question me. Just if I ask you to do something, then it's that's on you to pull me aside and say, hey, we didn't agree on this. Not for anybody that's working for us to right. look to you first for confirmation. Right. But I've experienced that. And so I can only imagine the level mm -hmm. at that level, how when you're surrounded, how that would go down. But again, that's the bigger issue is why is that a problem? Because she had also made a comment about how it's very difficult, even if you get films made 
by women, it's very difficult to get them into film fest. You had specifically mm-hmm. said that. Yeah. So this is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> this problem is deep. Right. And I don't and, expect and I think, her to fix it solely. Right. And I think a lot of people's cure for that is like, well, let's just make an all-female film fest or an all-female production company, and that doesn't do anything to solve the problem. No. Because women, I, I don't know, I'm not a woman, <gasps> but I would assume that women just want to be treated equally that you know by 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 then saying like all right well here's your little corner you guys can go make your movies over there and then we'll make our movies over here and it's like well that's not what equality is about you know we want to just it doesn't matter if male or female this person can direct it you know i think it was i I read this article about i think it was i want to say maybe it was elizabeth banks when she was directing she used to come to work like in a skirt or a dress or something very feminine Mm -hmm. because i think that Based on what she was saying, that a lot of women in the industry will dress down, you know, with mm. just like baggy jeans and, you know, crappy sweatshirts, whatever it is. To just fit in. Yeah, just to fit in. Um, but she wanted the people on set to be used to taking, like, quote unquote, orders or direction from somebody that dresses that way. Mm-hmm. Um, thought it was interesting kind of idea, I guess. I think that also really discredits talented male filmmakers. I don't it's not about how dare you not how dare you work with men. No, I, 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 if I believe in a project and I, if, if I'm given a script that I think is great, then I want to be in that film. And m- most of my favorite films were directed by men because that's who's mostly directing films. Yeah. You know, that's, but so that doesn't mean that those films are any less. They're classics. Mm-hmm. It's about the equality right. of it. I'm not, I don't want special treatment. I just want to be able to walk onto a set and not have to constantly defend why I'm there. Right. And that's what I mean by like not giving, you know, I think it's great to have those like film fests that are just yeah. solely for, for women and stuff. That's great. You know, it's because um, like every other film festival is all about men anyway. But like, um, yeah, I think it's just about like true equality. And, and I think it's being used as a foot in the door, right? Because that's never going to happen. The business yeah. is never going to go, all right, right, I guess we've been unfair. Let's just switch it all around now. Everybody's equal. So you kind of have no choice but to just sort of single yourself out, create those things, and then hope that that starts to catch people's attention and be like, hey, did you see this really amazing film that came out of this company? And oh, mm-hmm. by the way, this company is mostly female-led kind of thing. That's that's yeah. the that's the hope. But so it's kind of like take what you can. Um, I don't know. I, I felt like her her act was it, it was sort of it was just it was like like showing a homeless person a picture of a hot meal and being like, I helped feed that person. You yeah. really didn't. That didn't do shit. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't do anything there. And nice try. But you, you have the platform mm-hmm. to do better and it's, to do more. Yeah. And you should. It's sad that it's come to this. You know, it's like it's such a big deal, I guess, in Hollywood. Everyone's talking, it's like it's very headline grabbing and it's very, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a very, that and, and that and, and sexual misconduct in the workplace are like two of Hollywood's biggest stories. Right. And it takes that and it's still not fixed. Like it's still happening, mm-hmm. but it's like on the, the, the headline fashion of activism. It's well, what's it, cool now. And well, not, not that, people but don't it, give a shit anymore. My point is, is that it's, 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 become such a hot topic yet it's still happening that's how ingrained it is in hollywood like you know you have the the mistreatment of women across the board pretty much in hollywood you know but and and that's such a hot topic and people are so hyper aware of it yet it's still happening yeah it's so crazy you know yeah. usually when uh, i would think that if if a topic becomes so hot like that that you know people would like start 
being on their best behavior and stuff. But these people are so egotistical and it's so ingrained that they don't even give a fuck a lot of people. And again, it's biting the hand that feeds you. Mm-hmm. You know that's you, you you're against something. You feel that something's messed up. But if we, if I speak out, this might affect the way that I live. Yeah. And when you're just starting out, I understand kind of keeping quiet and having to play along. But when you're already an established celebrity, yeah. that's a whole different ball game. You're choosing to support that when you have other options. Yeah, and, and her response also. <sighs> which I, it, to me became like a PR stunt at that point was, and I, and I, I think they completely uh, had scripted this for her where they were like, bring up that the real heroes are the Weinstein women. And she, she went there with it. Like, Oh, I'm not, a, I'm not brave for what I did. I think the real brave women are the, why, I'm like, why are we, t- how did we go from female directors to Weinstein? Mm-hmm. Why are you bringing that up? Yeah. Is that important? Sure. But that feels more like a cop out and that you're bringing this up as a cop out. Rather well, than it's hard to argue with that. How do you well, argue with obvious? That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's 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 that in fashion thing of like, oh, well, if I bring up the Weinstein women, then maybe they'll stop trying to pummel me with reality. You know? mm. Oh, no, no. Let's talk about the Weinstein women. I mean, yeah, that's important. But we're talking about your hypocrisy yeah. <laughs> right now. Anyway. Yeah. I was just listening to a podcast with Mira Sorvino and uh, how she, you know, she didn't work for like 15 years because of him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's a lot of people that we don't really know about. Oh, oh for sure. But it, 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 I just listened to it, so it was rampant. On. Yeah. His so pretending to be crippled, stupid ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I need a walker now. You're going to need a walker. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So rant over. Mm-hmm. Rant over. But okay. it won't be because something else is going to happen and someone else is going to do some stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Wrinkle's a clown. Yeah. It's a, it's a wrinkly clown. Wrinkly clown. So we saw this trailer a while ago and we talked about wanting to see it. Mm-hmm. And um, so we saw it. And yeah, we did. What, what, did, what, what did you think? Um, thought it was kind of weak. Mm, okay. I thought. Weakles the clown. <laughs> Got it. Oh, it's so early in the morning. I thought it was, I thought that structurally it was all over the place and it felt kind of thrown together. And there was a, without, I guess, spoilers, and I don't want to spoil it. So there's this, there's this weird shift in the story. Mm-hmm. So you're almost starting to kind of get two films in one. I'll say that much. Yeah. And I thought it was an interesting topic that felt rushed. Mm-hmm. Like if some, if someone said to me, oh, you know what? They had to make that documentary in two weeks. I'd be like, well, that makes sense. Right. I, I don't know. I, I feel I feel the same way. You know, I felt like it was, you know, look, the technical side of it. It's great. It's fine. It all works. But the um, the the topic and the, the way the structure of it just didn't work for me. Um, I don't feel like I really learned a lot. A couple things here and there. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't I can't. You know, it just didn't. There, there was no kind of like through through story for me to kind of latch on to because of that shift that you talked mm-hmm. about kind of like through. And I was like, what, what, what was the point of it? You know, I don't understand the point of the shift and how that bettered the story at all versus just doing it for the sake of doing it. So that was just me. I, I didn't I didn't get that. And um, but like I said, the the, the technical side of everything, it was, you know, it's it, OK. Yeah, it was added, you know, the editing, you know. In accordance to the, the what they wanted to tell was fine, and the, the audio was fine, visuals were fine, all that stuff was was My great. Issue but was with the editing, I think. Well, no, I, I just mean that. The, I just the mean the fault. exactly. That's what just I mean. Just saying like, that the 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 way they chose to tell the story, be it 
by the hands of the producers or the, the, the production. I don't know. I just didn't like the pacing. Yeah. And I didn't like the fact that they brought in like a clinical child psychologist for 15 seconds. Yeah. And then we never heard from that person again. It just uh-huh. seemed like a completely wasted scene to light and have actually film when it, it held no bearing at all for the rest of the film. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a, a lot of stuff that that person, I would be more interested to see. I would be interested to see what that person had to say, you know, more, more of what that person had to say. Cause that's an interesting angle, right? When it comes to the clown of like, what does this do to children and the, you know, the psychology of it all, mm-hmm. I think, isn't it? But they kind of, they're like, look at the, oh, no, we're done. No one wants to learn. I think that's probably what it is, is that they didn't want to be schooled in this documentary. They just wanted to know about the scary clown because that was the internet phenomena if yeah. you don't know wrinkles the clown was this clown online mm-hmm. and there's all these videos of him scaring his him. shit yeah shit out of kids and parents would call to have him frighten their ill-mannered children mm-hmm. which one might say is their own fault but anyway mm-hmm. that is the whole basis of it and so it's intriguing right because mm-hmm. you're like oh wow somebody does this for a living and then there's this weird shift, and then you're like, oh, I, I see what's happening here. And that I kind of found less interesting, <laughs> yeah. sort of. I mean, I guess if they wanted to build up, it's kind of like they built the first half of this narrative to specifically have this twist, other than, you know, because the 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 subject matter that they were trying to get it into, maybe they felt wasn't as interesting or whatever, but the whole I don't think there was enough thing, information actual information and so they had to have that narrative to fill the space because otherwise it was like all right this is going to be a 30 minute you can get this done in 30 minutes yeah i'd have to say one of the most annoying things in the interviewing process was that they chose to focus on children yes and anybody who's tried to talk to a kid under the age of like 14 yeah it's like a test in futility yeah kids minds are racing yep And so they're usually telling you 14 stories at once, and it takes 30 minutes longer than it ever should to make a very simple point. Yeah. We all know this. We've all heard kids do this. I'm going to, and then, so, and then, wow, so I'm good. Oh, please make a point. Like now I can't. And then they would jump from, they'd have the same kid, but in a different outfit, Mm -hmm. in a different background. And you're like, wait a minute, that's the same is that the same kid from before? Mm-hmm. Is that, I don't know. I don't understand the point of that. It started to get, it was too much. It was like they focused more on interviewing kids, which are the worst people to interview yeah. than the actual subjects. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of grating. And for me, the scariest thing about this film wasn't the clown. It was the fact that there are people in this world that see nothing wrong with conducting an interview barefoot and on a mattress with no sheets. <laughs> yeah i'm just i'm just gonna say it. <laughs> i don't even know like as a set director i know you know this isn't like an actual set but there is there is design sure. sure wherever you are right i don't know how nobody in that crew was like do you have a fitted sheet and maybe a pair of shoes just lying around mm-hmm. could have been laundry day you know give me a break i mean I don't care because first of all, we're not talking about like a hundred dollar mattress. It was a pillow top mattress. So you had enough money to get like a decent mattress. Why are there no sheets on it? Why are we conducting an interview barefoot in like house clothes? You look like you just rolled out of bed on to the mattress 
a, a filthy, of course it's filthy because you sleep on it without sheets, which is disgusting. Mm-hmm. And then some, like the, the cinematographer was just like, yeah, yeah, no, this is good. If you were doing, if you were doing a documentary about like living in the backwoods of some like incredibly impoverished town i'd be Mm. like of course they don't have fucking sheets on their bed that's the least of their worries right they probably don't have sheets you know but that wasn't the case here i mean i i you can see we're we're talking about all different classes of people but come on yeah even if they didn't have you be like you know what we're gonna just we're gonna hop skip and jump over to the local walmart there we're gonna buy you a 50 thread count sheet to throw over that bastard so that we cannot look like we're about to make a snuff film Right. Well, I mean, they probably wanted maybe maybe it was done on purpose to make it feel that way to make these people. That kid was way too comfortable. That's a way of life right there. I've had friends like that. I've gone to people's houses and, been, you know, internally, I'm like, why aren't there any sheets on the bed? The sheets are on the floor beside the bed. So you have them, Mm -hmm. but they're not on the bed. And then you can see how dirty the mattress is. Sheets are like, hey, sit down. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stand. That's good. Sheets are a trigger for you, I guess. Well, they, they exist for a reason, like <laughs> underwear. Okay? Yeah. They serve a purpose. They're yeah. just not just an aesthetic. There's a, there's a reason why you put sheets on a bed. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's like saying like, oh, so, so you're like one of those like stuck up fancy there people, are people that, that uses don't wear toilet underwear. paper. Yeah. And that's gross. Sure, it's gross, but it but it happens. Of course, like this happened. What what's what's your argument there? Of course, uh, yeah, I know that, and and that's disgusting. Um, you my have point your is, cooch and ball sweat all over the inside of your pants. My point is just that the you know sheets are your. That's where we draw the line. Lots of things are where I draw the line, <laughs> but I don't think that I'm particularly snooty for you know. That's like. That's like if I go to somebody's house and they have a paper towel roll as toilet paper and be like, oh, well, you're too good for that. Yes, I am. I'm sorry to say, <laughs> I think, can we, can we just maybe splurge a bit and get actual toilet paper? First Why? of all, that's going to wreak havoc on your septic. Your, your septic's fucked. Yeah. But if you're the kind of person who does that, do you really care about your septic? Do you yeah. even have, does your toilet, do you even have a toilet or are you just using a walk? Unless it's like town sewage. I don't know. I just went. <laughs> <laughs> completely left but that was all point taken as soon as i saw that i was like oh god why are there sheets on the bed and why why are you not wearing shoes like put some shoes on what's happening we're it's an interview you have to put like in a suit and tie i understand casual but it it sort of just added to the feeling of like did did you really care about making this film i guess that's what i thought you know it just it all sort of went together with like it's like you don't even just you got yeah, I can almost guarantee that that was either done on purpose or made a point of not correcting to make it feel more like, I don't know, gritty or whatever. I'm sure that, you know, the, the filmmakers had or producers or whoever had a, had a reason for it. Because a film like this, you know, there, I mean, there's there's production value there. It's not like it was just some guy in a camera and just went somewhere. Yeah. But, you know... Uh, whether that point they look hit more home hickey if they don't yeah, have exactly. sheets on the bed. Exactly. That's what I think. That's my thought on that. <sighs> Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So we also watched Mythic Quest. <laughs> Raven's Banquet. <laughs> we did. And I mean, and... I watched it mainly, but so this is um, kind of so it's brought to you by the guys that did Sunny. You know, it's Rob Micklehoney. McElhoney? McElhoney. McHenley? I think it's something like that. McHenley? McElhoney. And um, (laughs) yeah, so it's those guys and uh, starring him, starring Rob McElhoney, (laughs) McElhoney, whatever. And um, it's kind of like Silicon Valley 
with a little bit of sunny in there. Um, uh, I don't know. I enjoyed it. It's 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 so it's set up in this in the it's basically the story of a game develop studio uh, who have this big MMO game called Mythic Quest. Develop studio. Game development studio. Oh, I yeah. didn't hear the meant. I probably didn't say it. So. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's probably because I totally didn't use the yeah, word right. And at I all. love mint. But um <laughs> so yeah, follows the story of of this like creative director who's kind of like crazy, you know, one of those like artists type yeah. people and he's um, zany. He's zany. And um just like the goings on of one of those and I, look, I'm not a gamer, so I don't know uh, I've read some reports online how this could be offensive to gamers and stuff, but Ooh. same way Silicon Valley is offensive to programmers, you know? So Yeah, but that show was funny. Yeah. Even though we didn't finish it. Yeah. Oops. But uh, I don't know. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was well-written. There's this dynamic between the creative director and um, the lead engineer, which I really liked. Poppy. Poppy, yeah. I really liked that kind of dynamic of, you know, trying to wrangle in uh, this crazy creative director. I did like that mm-hmm. I, because I, I can see that as being factual. Mm-hmm. I just found her character so loud all the time. Yeah. She screams so much and she's always seemed to be at 10. And so I just kind of wish that there had been more range to that. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm pretty sure that's how they wrote the character. So I'm not uh, I, I'm not faulting the actor. I just think it was just too much. Yeah, it's a lot of there's a lot of screaming all the time, screaming. and she and she's Australian, uh-huh. and so, you know Aussies are, they have this very big presence, mm-hmm. and so that on top of the fact that she like was actually screaming all the time, I found a little bit unnerving. Yeah, I just kind of was like, all right, just calm down yeah. a little bit. I liked that that uh, the woman yeah, the, that was like uh, the in age, the basement. No, um, the uh, customer relations yeah, she was, woman in the basement. She wasn't in it a whole lot, but no. when she was, that, that's how that's how well she played the character. That she wasn't really a, a major character, mm-hmm. but when she was on, it was pretty funny. Yeah, and Hornsby, 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 the executive producer yeah, guy. I, yeah. yeah, he was pretty. The funny. mustache, he was funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a really fun show, and um, I'm excited for season two to see where it goes, or if they have a season two. You never know what these streaming companies of what they're going to renew and what they're not going to renew. I would like to hear what a gamer thought of it. Yeah. Since we, I, I don't game, so I don't know how, I mean, not, not, I don't, I don't know how much a gamer would know about this end of it unless they were yeah. it, working for a company, but yeah. Or someone that does work for a company like this, what they thought of it. Yeah. That would yeah. be interesting. There was, I will say though, there was this one episode, I think it was like episode five in the middle of it, which just flashes back to like the eighties and tells this mm. story of um, a game producer and a, a it was creative. Was the 80s, not the 90s? Or maybe it was the 90s. Oh, okay. um, and I found that episode to be definitely the best episode, but it was like it shifted so hard from like this kind of silly over the top comedy to like a grounded drama almost. I mean, there was still well, none of the funny other, aspects of it. But... None of the main characters were in, in right. that episode. It was right. like it was so loosely tied to like the history I of the place. I loved that something. episode, but it felt like a completely different show. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of a show that I think I would have. I would have enjoyed more. Yeah, I would have loved to watch that no, show. No, no shame to Mythic Quest. Yeah. But just, I kind of liked that. <laughs> I liked that one episode show mm-hmm. a lot. And I would have liked to have seen that, which they're not going to do now because they've pretty much given the whole story away. But right. I, I would have liked that. I did not like that Pooty character. That kid <laughs> yeah. annoyed the shit out of me, which I, I know he was supposed to. Yeah. But I wondered, is that really what? These these gajillion follower 
like I mean, presences are like you know, online look, it's, presence. It, yeah, it's look everything about ugh. the show is dramatized and over the top. But I really don't think. I mean, dramatized. again, I don't <laughs> dramatized. Look it up. It's not a word. Um, if, if <laughs> I feel like that's probably not far off from a lot of them, you know. Well, I mean, there's there, there's something in everything, right? Yeah. Every, every stereotype, there's there's someone that that actually proves that stereotype, but that doesn't mean that it's the majority. Well, that's the thing about it is like all you need is like three people to act like that, and then everybody thinks that's yeah. how they all act. And but I can the... see that sort of being the norm with that age, because if you imagine being twelve or thirteen years old and having a million followers, and you're making more money than your parents combined yearly. Yeah. So much so that your parents don't even work anymore, which is probably why he was disrespectful shit, because he could be, because you're now supporting your family. So I can imagine that going to a 13-year-old's head. That would go to a 30-year-old's head, let alone a child. Go to my head. But good grief. I just wanted to high kick that kid. There was an interesting um, interview I saw with Rob McElhoney. McElhoney, Rob. Got to stop that. Robert. um, Where he, he was a little... Um, nervous about tackling the subject because he did, he didn't really know too much about it of gaming, yeah, in general. Okay. Well, just just the the doing a kind of satirical look at the gaming industry or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he went to visit like Ubisoft or whatever, some big uh, company. And um, there was a guy in a room, and I'm paraphrasing the, the what he said, but basically there was a guy in a room, um, some creative director, or whatever, and he was just kind of like doing something weird, dressed like all in black and the big rings and the whole thing. <laughs> And he went in and he was just like, oh, hey, man, you know, what do you do here? And he said that the guy like looked at him for like way too long, turned out, look at, looked out his window and he's oh, like for a long period of time. And he goes, I build worlds. And he's just like, all right. And then he, I guess right after that, he called and was like, let's do this. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that, that was kind of funny. But um, yeah. But you know what I think happens also is that <clears throat> you have people that are like, on the spectrum or that are have like Asperger's or are just plain fucking weird people, but are still brilliant in their own way. We've all known that person. That's yeah. just really weird or it's like antisocial and, but they're really good at what they do. They're really good at numbers or math. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, there's it's always that. And so that's like the only place where they feel comfortable because they're alone mm-hmm. in their own world. It's a pretentious response regardless. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I probably would have laughed, but I think that's why, because you see that so often in those types of careers and, mm-hmm. and, and it's these just really obscure type personalities that create these really successful things. Mm-hmm. I think it's rare when you have somebody that is so good at what they do that is not awkward. Yeah, because you, know? you have to be obsessed. Yeah. There's no time to be socially... Uh, to have any kind of social acumen. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there just isn't time for just being social, having social or having life, yeah. a relationship mm-hmm. or any, anything like that. All of, all of your accolades are based on your obsession mm-hmm. and ability, so... Right. I'd imagine that that's probably the case. I don't think it was, you know, just at Ubisoft. I think like any, oh, anywhere yeah. that you went in, you that find a one, lot of those types yeah. of people. That, that was just one anecdote that he that he came across. Someone dressed as like a metal Steve Jobs. Yeah. Like a vampire Steve <laughs> vampire Jobs. Vampire Steve Jobs. All right. Well, I, I, I did like the show. Mm-hmm. I was actively present for it. I won't say that I was completely like 
enveloped in it. But mm -hmm. I, I mean, I there were times that I looked at my phone or got up or whatever and didn't ask you to pause it. I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah. And I mean, I, I enjoyed Silicon Valley. I liked mm -hmm. that show. We didn't finish the show, but I liked it. And I didn't understand 90% well, of what was happening yeah, on the just, show. Silicon I don't Valley just kind of went on too long. I think so. Yeah. They, you know, they, they, the, they had to like re keep repeat like, oh, they're, they're, a, they're a scrappy little startup. And then they became big. And then they have to go back to being a scrappy little startup. And then they become big again. And, it was the same thing constantly yeah, happening. The, it was very, like, I felt like the formula became apparent once they you, know, you get too far into the seasons. Yeah. Let me get it. You're going to be screwed. Yeah. You'll come out to get screwed again. Mm -hmm. I kept thinking, why do they, they don't learn, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you keep yeah. making the same mistakes and trusting people that you shouldn't be trusting. Yeah. But the whole coding aspect of it <laughs> yeah. flew over my head. I don't I know knew what enough was of, happening. I know enough about it to kind of understand what's happening, but yeah. And what about those characters? Because you, you have more experience with the way those people were in the coding world. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in that world. Of yeah, coding. but you know people that are like gaming, not so much. But yeah. in in the the techie world, did you feel that those characters were accurate? I I can't say for sure because I don't live in that world. But I feel like um, I know people that are similar to that, and mm -hmm. you know, dealing with like IT departments and and um, engineering departments and stuff. I I see a lot of the. I see a lot of where they're getting their material from. Mm -hmm. You know, so I kind of related to that a little bit on that grounds, which isn't to say that someone more engrossed in that world wouldn't be like, no, it's not actually like that or whatever. Because, you know, we always we always remember and think about the extreme cases of anything. So if, you know, I have an, a, a, some kind of extreme, you know, interaction with an IT personnel or something that that's going to stick out to me as. Yeah, but I've met I've met people in that field and been introduced oh this is what this person does or you find out later like oh this person does coding or this person's in it or whatever and i think what what they get wrong because it's not as as trendy these shows are are more geared for younger younger people in the field mm -hmm. the, you know late 20 somethings mid 20 somethings maybe up to 40 that's probably where they cut it off mm -hmm. and i think where silicon valley maybe missed the mark is that every single one of those companies and and professions always there's always they're peppered with older employees mm -hmm. the startup companies now yeah they're just going to hire you know they're they're it's a 20 year old starting up a company so they're yeah. going to hire other 20 year olds they're not going to hire somebody who's in their 50s or 60s yeah but i find that with companies that are more established there's always like still people in it or coding that are like in their 50s nearing 60 you know mm -hmm. like the the and i'm gonna say dudes because it's mostly dudes especially at that yeah. age that you know now you're gonna find coders that that are female but at that age range you're gonna find mostly men that don't look anything like the stereotype of like the that quasi hipster type yeah. it's just like someone's dad yeah well it's, a, it's an interesting thing i mean in my field of motion graphics it's you know still relatively new kind of um uh area and so you don't necessarily have 50 and 60 year olds doing it but you know in 10 or 20 years you could have 50 or 60 year olds doing it or you won't they'll see what it feels like yeah <laughs> yeah i mean when that's they very wouldn't true hire a 50 year old and now the next generation is coming up like why would we want a 44 year old coder yeah get out of here yeah. grandpa you know there's definitely like a, a at least in my circles there's a very strong presence of like 30 year olds mm -hmm. in that field um more so than 20 year olds, which I find very weird, but a lot of tutorial, it's funny because one of the running gags on in the community is that, you know, 
I'm trying to learn a new technique or something new and I'll jump on YouTube and research it. And inevitably it's some, you know, 16 year old that's teaching me how to do something. Um, so it's kind of funny in that way, but, um, yeah, I feel like, and a lot of it too has become very social. You know, you have, um, uh, an online presence it's, it's just as important as, as your work, you know, to be successful. Um, I mean, there's millions of successful motion graphics artists that don't have any online presence, but I feel like because it's such a visual medium, um, mm-hmm. it naturally lends itself to being something that can be shared easily uh, on social platforms. I'm going to segue for a second because I think yesterday um, the first episode of a show called Happiness was released. And this show was meant to star Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. And it was the last thing that he had worked on before he passed. And I never watched Happiness when Steve Coogan replaced him because I was like, I like Steve Coogan. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, I'm not watching this show. This mm-hmm. was Philip's show. And I I'm, I can't, even though, I mean, it wound up getting canceled. But a lot of people were like, hey, it's actually really good. It just made me too sad and I couldn't mm-hmm. watch it. So they released the actual pilot that Hoffman had done. Mm-hmm. And damn, that would have been a really good show. Yeah. Not just because I adore him more than anybody in the world in acting, but because he just played the character so well. And what you said reminded me of that because he's in advertising. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest issues that he's facing in this episode is of being fired or replaced because the company's being taken over by these young Swedish kids. And who the fuck wants a 40 something year old guy in advertising? Because. Yeah. The issue was that he didn't have an online presence. And so his superior was like, you don't even have an Instagram or Facebook. And his argument was like, what the fuck does that have to do with my ability to do my job in advertising? And so he went on on, on this whole rant. There's like this whole um, Keebler rant, mm-hmm. the cookies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the kids trying to school him on it. And he's like, they had their best year last year. They don't have like a fucking Twitter page. Like who gives a shit about the Keebler elves having a Twitter page? But, you know, the, everything is about social media yeah. now. And uh, he also used Pepto-Bismol, which was kind of it was just fucking hilarious mm. as an example of like, you know, that he noticed on the box. It says follow us on Twitter. And he's like, who the fuck is actually going on the <laughs> Pepto-Bismol Twitter page and following them? Like, yeah. Are those companies that really need to have that? Yeah. No, maybe for their complaints, I guess. But how many followers, aside from the people that work for the company that are forced to follow yeah. it, I'm sure it's it's company rule. Yeah. But how many random people it's gonna follow Pepto are going to follow Pepto-Bismol? I mean, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yet, yeah. yet when the company gets taken over by a younger group, that's the first thing they're going to do is try to up the social media yeah. platform for a company that provides you with medication for when you have diarrhea. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what the uh, the game plan would be there for, uh, you know, uh, I mean, commercials, you know, you'd have like your Instagram commercials, but unless they're unless they're viral or funny, nobody's going to fucking care. Yeah. I mean, Pepto-Bizzle, they have a commercial and it's their jingle that people remember. Mm-hmm. Isn't it like nausea, upset, upset stomach, stomach, indigestion, yeah. diarrhea? <laughs> yeah. I remembered that. I didn't need a Twitter or Instagram page. I remembered your stupid ass jingle, which is the most old school method for getting people to remember things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's 800 you know? Yeah. 
Empire. That's what you remember. Those jingles that sticks in your head more than your fucking Twitter handle. I'm not going to remember that. I don't care. Well, everybody wants to, you know, cash in on the viralness of the society. It's sad. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So um, we so we decided that we were going to talk a little bit about this. We mentioned it in the beginning. We didn't forget. I know you're like, hello, it's almost 60 minutes. I'm getting tired of your shit. So we're going to just get into, I think that we need to sort of reword our invitations, if you will. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the whole point of this podcast, if you are an avid listener, if you've listened to more than 15 or 20 episodes, is that it's it's always about learning. We are never, ever too scared to crap on our own work, mm-hmm. to say that we've made a mistake. That's mm-hmm. all part of it. It's independent film. We don't have giant cast and crew, production, or money. We work with what we have. And so... One of the the problems that I, I'm faced with when it comes to people showing us their work is that it never seems to come with a request for opinion. It's already finalized. It's in Film Fest. It, it's, it's, bring, it's being brought to our attention as an advertisement. Right. Rather than, hey, would you like to review my film? And the whole point of reviewing something is to be honest. You don't have to be a complete dick if you don't like something, but mm-hmm. some people will take any negative comment as you just being a dick. Even if you're like, Hey, I thought the sound was really rough. Mm-hmm. You're an asshole yeah. for saying that. Yeah. But if the sound is rough, then you should know that. Yeah. And so I don't like it. I don't like offering my opinion to somebody who's not asking for it on the flip side of that. I can't be a hypocrite. I can't portman my way through this. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's fire. Cream for that burn. Um, I'm just kidding. Maybe I'm not. Um, I can't. I can't sit here and comment about mistakes that are made, and then and then put the emphasis on doing things properly and doing doing things right, and then out of fear of hurting somebody's feelings, give them a great review when in fact their lighting was a pile of garbage. I can't do that. That's not being honest. Right. What am I saying to people that are like, okay, I'm going to go watch this film that you recommend. Funny because you just went on a three hour tangent about lighting and this looks like it was lit with a fucking match. <laughs> yeah. What it, are you talking about? Yeah. What, Cause you had somebody on your show and now you have to be nice about, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's it's such a slippery slope. I don't want to alienate people, but I also have to be true to what we're doing here. Well, not even that. I think it's just, I mean, yes, but also it's, I think, you know, showering somebody with praise doesn't help them at all and it doesn't help you at all you know it's not it's a lose-lose situation because you know look if i watch it first of all it's subjective so there's that whole aspect of it but if i watch a film short film or whatever and it's i feel like well you know i i i I didn't really i felt like the lighting was distracting it took me out of the film whatever it is whatever my issue is um for for the for me to not express that then I'm not doing that filmmaker any favors by letting him know him or her know that this was distracting to me. Now they can do with, with, with that whatever they want, you know, because mm-hmm. somebody can watch something I shot where I feel like the lighting is good, mm-hmm. and they could say I didn't like that lighting there. Well, okay, then it's good to know that's happened between us. There have been scenes that you were like, "No, I actually like this lighting," and I'm like, "I hate it." Yeah. So it's you know, first of all, it's all subjective, but second of all, you know, it's important because if that filmmaker is keeps getting that note then they then maybe the chances are that what they're trying to portray in a scene is not 
connecting with viewers if that's their whole point of it. So but I don't think they're going to get that note. I no, don't think that, well, it's very common. That's what we're here for. We're here to change that. It, <laughs> it comes off as pretentious mm-hmm. when you comment on the, 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 the technical aspect of somebody's film, especially when they didn't ask for it, which I'm not going to do. The example, okay, somebody coming to me, if my friend comes out of their room and they say to me, what do you think of this outfit on me? If I'm your friend, I'm going to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. I don't really like the way that fits you. It looks weird or the color doesn't, it doesn't complement your skin or something like that. But if I walk up to a complete stranger and I go like, hey, you know, that color doesn't look good on you. A, you can get hit in the throat. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. But what does that accomplish? Well, I think by you... just saying, you know, somebody who's wearing an outfit and they're like, they're feeling themselves in it. I'm not going to just come up and make some rude comments about it. They're happy with it. Whether I think it looks good on them mm-hmm. or not, they're happy with it. And I'm not going to burst that bubble. Now, if they walk up to me as a perfect stranger and they say, do you think that this color looks good on me? I'm going to say, well, you know, I'm going to, as you would say, feel their temperament. Yep. Right. If you're, if you're asking me whilst drunk and you look like you can be violent, I'm going to say it's the greatest color I've ever seen. But if you, if you seem reasonable, I'm going to say, eh, know it's probably a little rough for your skin color mm. or like you know it just doesn't complement your tone and i don't know yeah it's, and and i don't i don't think we've ever had somebody reach out. i mean we've had people reach out to us also want to uh, just to reiterate that the whole this isn't like everything that comes to us is garbage i'm not saying that i'm just right. saying that every so often we get something that somebody's like oh my god this is our film or this is our show and hey can we be on your show to talk about it and then we watch that thing and it's like oh i don't I'm all for like helping other people promote their work, whether they did a great job or not. They worked hard on it to the best of their ability. Hopefully some people don't. Some people are just Mm -hmm. lazy about it and that's not okay. But I also can't promote something that I would normally tear apart if that person weren't on the show. And so that's why we just kind of have to, we filter those out. And if we watch something and we're like, you know what, I don't really think that was great, then. And and context is important too, because. You know, if <clears throat> to your point of like somebody just doing the best they can with what they have, you know, if if a film comes to us and, and there was some, you know, the, we had talked about this with Marcus in the couple podcasts back mm-hmm. about the context of filmmaking. And I think it's important because if somebody sends us a film and I'm like, oh, I don't know, the audio is kind of rough on that. And it's like, well, guess what? Uh, because of costs and I just really wanted to make this movie audio was the thing that had to suffer but you know a day of our boom mic broke yeah well, something. Shit. all right like you, you know? know so i feel like that that stuff matters and if if we receive like we need a lot of context when films come in because a lot of times films come films come to us and it's just like yeah it's the marketing say hey, i want to come on your podcast and talk about my film it's like okay well you want us to take your film at face value then then we'll do that and that's fine. And if we like it, then we'll, we, we'll talk about it. If it's something that resonates, I shouldn't say if we like it, if it's something that resonates with us and, and then we were, we feel like more people should see it or whatever, then we'll talk about it. You mm-hmm. know, we had Marcus on, we had, um, uh, other people on. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, about, I just, I, I, I was trying to go through the Rolodex of all the filmmakers we've We'd had be here on. forever. Yeah. Um, so I, my point is, is that when we get, a lot of times we'll get what seems like a press release, you know, most of the time, that's yeah. what it. That's what it feels, and that's like. fine. You know, like I said, you want to send that to us, please have at it. We love watching films. You know, we never go into a film hoping that it's bad. No. We hope that the film's great, and then we can bring you on the show and talk about it. But if the film is not something that we that didn't really work for us, then you know, then we we may not talk about it. But if they're if you're sending it to us as like, hey, look, 
we've made this film. This is, you know, this is the first time we made a film or the first feature we made, and there was a lot of problems and stuff. Well, then now we have something to talk about because, yeah, maybe the film's not normally something that we would like on the face of it, but knowing the struggles that you went through, that stuff is very important because failure is just as important as success because of the learning aspect of it. So you can come on the show, let's say, Mm -hmm. and talk about everything all the problems that came about. So when people see the film, they can say, oh, he had a problem with his lab microphone, and this is the result of it, so I'll know not to do that. So I think there's a big learning experience in that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's it? Yeah. Well, Theme. I mean, yeah, I think, I think I, I don't know. I, I don't want to discourage people to from wanting to talk about their film or show us their film if they feel like we may not dig it. It's a fine it, line but... between confidence and conceit. In this business, you know what I mean? There's, it's like, there's never a gray area of like, hey, I feel like I've vastly improved as a filmmaker, but I still have a ways to go. You never hear people say that. Mm-hmm. It's always like, here's this thing that I did. It's the best thing ever. And then, you know, you, you, you have somebody writing the same film for six or seven years and you're like, holy shit, move on. Like, you know, yeah. you got to make something else. You can't just keep writing this film forever. Um, and you get a lot of that. And we, from the very start of this podcast, we've said that we don't understand that mindset of just like making a film a decade and then considering yourself some prolific filmmaker. It's how are you ever going to improve if you're not making more films and doing more stuff? So I guess I, I just wish that the approach was more like, Hey, this is our film. We'd like for you to review it. At which point, look, if we feel like the film was kind of rough and could use some work, We can come back to you and say, like, look, this is our honest review of it. Do you want us to review it on air? Because I don't want to be just a mean asshole about that. If somebody if somebody got back to us and was like, listen, I watched your film was the worst thing I've ever seen. I'd be like, I probably don't mention it. Then it's not good for our film fests. You know, (laughs) I mean, thank you for taking the time. But uh, that's probably going to work against us. But what is it that you hated so that I can make notes of that? Yeah, I'm not again. I'm not I'm not here to, to, to be better than everybody. But. This is where, again, confidence and conceit. I don't think that I'm the best writer, actor, and that we're the greatest filmmakers ever, but we've vastly improved from when we started, and that's the point. And I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging that. Mm-hmm. Shit, we worked hard. We've lost a lot of our own money. Uh, we don't have a social life a lot of the times. All of our extra funds go into equipment and updating equipment, and this took a really long time. So mm-hmm. I'm proud of that, but I'm far from where I want to be. Yeah. And I'm okay with somebody saying, I I think there's too many holes in your story, or I didn't think your performance was as good as I maybe saw in something else. I feel like you can do better and you did. All right, let me know. There's a way to say that. Yeah. I think it's tough. You have to like, and and working in in motion graphics, dealing with clients and, and producers and stuff has kind of got me to this place with my work where, you know, and, and this is, and this is just across the board for me where I, I'm able to try really hard and be proud of something and put all my all into it. And if somebody doesn't like it, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot, it's a tough place for a lot of people to be. And um, I look, nobody's going to, to be able to, I don't know, for lack of a better word, uh, uh, nobody's going to be able to point out the flaws of my film more than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I can point flaws out to you that you didn't even notice. Not you, per- the, the, the general you. <laughs> me? What did yeah. I do? Tell um, me. You're telling me now? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm coming from a viewpoint of like, I want it. I want to know. I want to know what worked for you. And I want to know what, what didn't. I think a lot of the problem, too, becomes people get defensive because 
people, there's the other end of the spectrum, right? Where people are very, they can't take a note or a criticism, but then there's also people that just want to criticize for the sake of it, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, I feel like that's just as harmful because now you're just to have a voice and just to say something, you're criticizing someone just to make yourself feel better. And that does nobody any good because that makes you look like an idiot and it makes, and doesn't help the filmmaker because maybe that part of the film was fine. Or maybe that wasn't something that, you know, them focusing on that is not a good use of their resources. I just think bottom line, if you've seen a good film, if you like a good film, then you know what a good film looks like, sounds like, feels like. And if you don't have any of those aspects in what you're doing, then you still have a ways to go. You have to learn more. Sound, there's there's no gray area in that. Your sound is either good or it isn't. It's not like, well, look, the sound was mostly good in our film. Why? <laughs> why wasn't it all good? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about why it wasn't all good. Right. And Maybe so an many airplane times, flying overhead. Like, like right now, uh, sometimes I've spoken to people that they sort of bypass it, right? They'll go, oh, yeah, we made this film. We only had like $47,000. Meanwhile, inside, I'm like, what? You mm-hmm. know, and so I'm already like, I'm all ears because I'm like, I got to see where this is going to go. Yeah, we only had $47,000. And you know, this whole scene over here, uh, they were at this cabin or whatever. Uh, there was no audio. Like, we just couldn't afford to, to have audio that day. So, you know, we just uh, we just labbed everybody up or we all did it in post, you know. And, but, like, it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, no, no. Well, fix it in post should be used as a last resort. Yeah. That's like, holy shit, there's no other way for us to do this without losing the day. We're going to have to fix that in post. But, unfortunately, that's become the first step mm-hmm. in filmmaking so that you can have a bigger mansion in your film you're going to sacrifice your audio which is going to so what is the point of having this big lavish scenery if the movie sounds like shit or you'll spend all your money on a good dp and good audio and then you won't have any money to pay actors yeah you know well that nobody's concerned with that in this business unfortunately nobody gives a shit if actors get paid yeah they just don't They expect actors to do stuff for free. That is a whole other show. And we're going to talk about that when Kat and uh, Petra Petra and Brandon. Well, I mean, Brandon's like kind of just getting back into it. But Petra and Kat have stories, I'm sure, about payment. And, you know, we all know how how actors are are, are treated. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I like to watch other people's stuff. And I actually enjoy when some I would love for somebody to reach out to us and be like, so here's our film, right? We made this for like $4,000 and a whole bunch of shit went wrong, but we still really believed in the story. All right. Tell me what went wrong, because yeah. I'm probably going to be more impressed by that than you giving me some simplistic concept that's already been done a thousand times that you had $100,000 for. I'm not impressed by that. Yeah. I'm impressed by what you did with a really small amount of Meager money budget. and equipment. Mm-hmm. It had basic equipment. All right. Well, let's let's see what you did with that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So that's that. So send us your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to be mean. And sometimes we just honestly haven't had time to watch stuff. So if you don't hear from us, it's not, oh, they automatically hated my work and it wasn't good enough. It's just we have a hard enough time watching like shit that we wanted to review. Um, So we have a few we have to watch. We're still getting to things. And but yeah, I guess just like try to keep it humble. We're all here to learn. And I, I. I would have to say if your approach to sending us something is that you don't think you have anywhere to improve and that there's no room for improvement in your production, then we're probably not the people for you because we don't really believe that. I've seen multi-million dollar films make mistakes. 
it, it happens time. to everybody. Yeah. So if you if you honestly don't feel that there is anything wrong, you can't pretend those mistakes aren't <laughs> with there. your film. Then uh, chances are you're kidding yourself. Yeah, there's no film that's perfect. Uh, even my favorite films in the world are hot messes. I mean, the Army of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, but that's like meant to be a hot mess. Yeah, I guess, but still, I can't love take it. that too seriously. Yeah. All right, so shout-outs to Reality Bomb Comicast, uh, Steady, Steady Geekin, Geekin, Not Up for Debate, Perry. Perry. <laughs> Perry. Um, and also um, our folks over at Megabrain Comics. Folks. Where they, folks, where they record Reality Bomb Comicast uh, is moving mm-hmm. to a bigger locale. There, there will be many more arcade games and pinball and yeah. fun stuff. It's going to be a hub. It's going to be a hub. Hot hub of nerdery yeah because their location now is quite small and they were wanting to get a lot more arcade games and there was just like those things are massive there's no way to put them and so they're they're getting a bigger location so if you're local i believe they're gonna they're still gonna be in rhinebeck Mm -hmm. check them out rhinebeck new york go check them out patronize the shit out of that business Mm -hmm. in a financial in a financial manner (laughs) patronize them but just patronize them don't don't patronize john he's a big he's a big guy He'll, he'll kick your butt so yeah if you uh, if you still want to send us your movies and you don't hate us, then then send us stuff to review. Reach out. Look, essentially, us... what we're saying is just send. Don't like. I'm I'm fine with getting a press release thing and reading through it, but I want to know. For us, it's about the process, and I want to know what challenges you came across and what things you overcame to make this film happen. What he said a per, on a personal note, not yes. just a a blasted. Nobody likes to get like a. A templated fucking thing to read, you know, that yeah, just seems so unpersonal. I don't want to sit through that whole thing and read that, no. honestly. Uh, also, next week, we are going to be, we already know what we're reviewing because mm-hmm. we've seen one of them. We just watched one. We were going to save it for next week. And we're going to be watching the other one today. Um, them That Follow and Booksmart. Yeah. So if you haven't watched those films. It's going to be, uh, there's the same actor in both of them. Yes. If you want to watch those films. In the next week, and then you can listen next week and this week and say, ah, ah, huh, uh-huh, sure, 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 sure. I yeah, agree. Yeah. I disagree. Nope. Don't agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Then that might be more engaging for you. I don't know. But that's what we'll be talking about next week. I'm sure something else will happen that we'll talk about as well and have yeah. that in there. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Bye.